0: sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales development industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry. With our host, noted futurist, author, and sales development practitioner, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. Tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and turn on notifications to never miss an episode. And now, Beyond Beyond Sales Sales Development with your host, Justin Michael.
1: Welcome back to Beyond Sales Development. I'm your host, Justin Michael, doing my best William Shatner impression. I have here today, Jeff Bajorek, a great writer, author, speaker, coach. You know, I really love his style because he's willing to get on the phone, which is becoming an exotic (laughs) entity. We were just talking about
2: it. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. This was fun. I remember just sending you a message on LinkedIn and like all messages I send you on LinkedIn, I got an immediate response. And I said, hey, when are we gonna trade podcasts? And you just sent a link and it was like, okay, I guess we're doing this like tomorrow. All right, cool, let's do this. So thanks for having me
1: unscripted, unrehearsed. We're talking about sales development, the future of sales. But as folks who know me, who've been listening for, to a while for this podcast, and thanks to Dave Dulaney and 10Bound.com, we kind of just do what we want. So what's inspiring you right now, Jeff? Like I saw this thing where you got on a podcast and boldly said, hey, nothing's changed in sales. And I was like, ready to applaud because guess what? Our brain, it didn't change because of Corona. And it didn't change because of the last 20 years of automation. We're doing the same thing. So can you dig into that further? Because I think some people think that it's a new normal and they have to do all this new stuff and the phone doesn't work. Like, can you tear into these these myths?
2: (laughs) Yes. Where to start? I was was talking with Jason Bay about that. I said, look, you know, COVID hasn't changed sales at all. He says, hold on a second. I think I know where you're going, but what do you mean? And I said, okay, has COVID presented us with new situations? Do we need to have new situational awareness? Do we need to take account of some things that we didn't need to take account of in the past? Do we need to be more empathetic? Do we need to use face-to-face video platform like Zoom like we're on right now instead of getting in the car or knocking on the door, getting on an airplane? Yes, yes. Do we need to consider digital offerings or, or reducing friction to purchase in a different way? Yes, but we've always needed to make these amendments. We've always needed to change direction. We've always needed to be willing to pivot. If you're, you have to be agile as an organization to withstand change, but selling has not changed. You still have something to offer. You still solve a problem. You still solve a problem for a specific company, group of companies, person, group of people. You still have to create tension in the process. You still have to demonstrate expertise in the process. It's still hard. Those are my five forgotten fundamentals of prospecting, kind of paraphrase there. None of that has changed. It's never changed. It's never going to change. And Justin, I'll ask you, because you were in your car earlier, if you got a new car tomorrow, would driving change? No.
1: No. I i, so, I will be honest. I, I watched something of a I feel like a 10 minute presentation on the most recent Ferrari, which has like multiple electronic drive change and a, th- a thousand horsepower. But it was so funny because they were tuning the engine. So you could hear the roar of the classic Ferrari. So you could have <laughs> the analog feel of the sound of the engine, the high notes, the low notes. I miss dinners with prospects and learning about people's lives and building the trust and becoming the trusted advisor. How are you helping your clients that you consult in your community with this, the static versus dynamic. I mean, we're on this 2D platform now. Right. We don't have the enterprise holodeck. It's just, there's so much less that we can do remotely. So how do we overcome that to do six-figure deals, seven-figure deals, like the enterprise folks out there, the BDRs you are trying to connect and it's like, they can't just hit the events, pound the floor at the Moscone Center.
2: Well, I think we need to get real about something. And you wanna know why most reps miss selling face-to-face? It's because it feels cool to fly on an airplane. It feels cool to have status. It feels cool to drink expensive wine and big, fat, thick, juicy, medium rare steaks with a perfect sear on either side on someone else's dollar. Let's be real.
1: I miss it. I'll tell you.
2: (laughs) You know, so do I, but that doesn't change our job. It's our job to create revenue. It's our job to solve problems. It's our job to make a difference and create outcomes that no one else can create. And you know what? The life Of the traveling salesman, the the proverbial traveling salesman, what I I like to call now at the request of my friend, Deb Calvert, we call them sellers, not salesmen, because there are a lot of women out there who are crushing it. I had some women sell circles around me in my organization. So all due respect to everybody out there selling. The life comes with some perks sometimes, and people are regretting or lamenting the loss of those perks. And we're whining about it. Stop it you still have a job. Quite frankly, the bar to clear is a little bit reduced. It's lowered now because those companies still have problems that need to be solved. So they know that if all you can do is get on a Zoom, if all you can do is do this kind of asynchronously right now until we can get to a point where we can sign that deal in person and shake hands and break bread together, okay, great. They understand because their progress is more important than that dinner that you're going to buy them. So I think the first thing we need to do when it comes to this new normal, which is just cringe every time I feel like it's the right thing to say is accepting why we're so upset in the first place. And once we can get that out of the way, then we can get down to work. Then we can say, okay, what can we do now? Instead of I can't do this anymore. It's okay. No one can. So instead of getting upset at something that's out of your control, focus on what you can control and get buy-in, you know, be a professional seller and get buy-in on why the change still needs to happen, about the available resources we have to make that change happen, and let's move forward in a different path. I can't take that freeway anymore. It's closed for construction, right? This is actually a pretty good metaphor. I just pulled it off thin air, but it's pretty, I can't take the freeway anymore. It's closed for construction. I still need to get to my parents' house for the holidays. we got to take the side roads. It's still worth going to my parents' house for the holidays. It's just going to take a little longer to get there. Might be a little interesting. Might be boring. Might be fun. Certainly be a change of pace. It's going to take me 20 to 30% longer, but you know what? We'll make the best of it, and we're still going to accomplish what we need to accomplish which is seeing our parents for the holidays, seeing the family or getting that deal done and making a real change in the business. What are we trying to do? That's where I live these days. That's what I'm fired up about.
1: That's great, man. You have a lot of enthusiasm and passion. And I wrote an article about how cold calling isn't dead. I know like Weinberg loves that. Yeah. And you're a supporter. And it was, um, there's this thing called Rev Genius. And there's like 8,000 people in the Slack channel, Jared Rodman, Galem, I I can name some names, but... It did really well over the last few months. It's been really, really popular. I have this whole thing. I'm like, well, if you're using all these systems and you're writing emails all day and you're sequencing them and you're researching all day, but you don't talk to prospects ever in the day, it's sales. It's not demand gen or marketing. It's important. Like it's a great function. But I wonder, I feel like sales is when we do this, when we get someone on the phone. So, you know, I used to say, let your fingers do the walking. Like uh, people in my family say that. What's cool now is you can do Zooms all day. But are the Zooms internal Zooms? Are you sitting on webinars? Or are you having Zooms with your dream prospects? Are you getting on the phone? Can you help us with how do we get on the phone with these folks? How do we attract their attention in a sea of email? Right. People like you are getting 300 emails a week from, from vendors. I mean, I get them all the time too. Like people want to do my websites and podcasts. And I mean, it's amazing. So how do we stand out? I mean, there's a lot of people on this call who are just, my emails won't perform. I, I get on the phone, try to call. No one picks up the phone. There's a helplessness, a listlessness. They're trying to get tips and actionable techniques. So I'd love to do that episode. Like what are Jeff Majoric's top three actionable things that you can do right now to get on the phone with more prospects?
2: I distill it down to two qualifications that you must have in order to get your email returned and the tips and the tactics. I'm not as much a tip and a tactic guy, because I think everybody's got something different, but I think whatever tip or tactic or process you use to accomplish these two things And we can get into specifics at some point, but I think you need to be known as someone worth talking to and you have to have something worth talking about. And the odd thing is, you get known as someone worth talking to by having a lot of things worth talking about. So your prospecting doesn't just have to tell people stuff. It, I get so many emails from these companies that want to uh, help me with demand, gen. They want me, they want to help me with content. I love the people who are like, we'll do your writing for you. I'm like, you don't know how much I write, do you? Like, this is totally, you have not, it's not just about research. It's not just about personalization. It's like you are barking up the wrong tree because I'm happy doing my own writing, but it's web development. It's, it's whatever. It's your LinkedIn profile. They all tell people what they do. They don't talk about the problem that they solve. They don't see like... I think there are two ways to start a conversation. You can make a statement, a very bold statement that will get a response. And it will it's more likely to get a negative response than a positive response. And if it was going to get a positive response, that's probably already one of your fans anyway. So they're not someone you should be approaching. The second way is to ask a question. And there aren't enough sales reps out there willing to ask questions that don't get answered for a while And continue to ask those questions. How do I know if someone's worth talking to? I know that they have a pretty good idea of some of the things that I'm struggling with, right? So I'm some version of their ideal client profile. And they know that I have some problems that maybe I'm aware of, maybe I'm not. And so they're going to ask me questions that hopefully I'm going to read and hopefully I'm going to consider. And if I don't respond, And it doesn't matter if it's a voicemail, doesn't matter if it's an email, doesn't matter if it's a direct message on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, anything. If they're asking me questions, kind of prodding me to start thinking in a different way, now all of a sudden, that's where my headspace goes. Now all of a sudden, I'm being made aware of a problem that maybe I didn't know I had, or maybe I knew I had, and now I realize that there's some help out there that can help me solve it, because I don't know everything. And now, when that person is persistent, and they show me that, They might know something that I don't know. They show me that they may understand my problem better than I do. They make that problem more urgent in my mindset because just putting it back in front, it it kind of increases, artificially or not, increases the level of importance in that. And sometimes I have to hold myself back. I'm like, that's really great. I never thought about that before. I'm excited. That could move me forward. Sometimes I have to remind myself that that's still not priority number one for me. And I got to kind of throttle it back a little bit. But that is what I call, that's professional selling. I was talking to someone a couple of months ago, and they said that there was more research that was done. and You gotta you gotta touch someone thirteen times before they will respond to you. And in, in, that's not before they'll buy from you. That's this is not six nos to get a yes. This is like thirteen outreach attempts before they acknowledge that you exist as a human being. And some it's twenty one, some it might be eight, but most reps three times, four times, maybe. And then when you think, all right, I got to reach these 300 people four times, how do I do that at scale? Well, then everything becomes so generic. Everything becomes so watered down. Nothing sticks out. It's all very, very poor because if you try to please everybody, you will thrill nobody. You have to be willing to be persistent. You have to be willing to poke the bear a little bit. You have to be willing to have a conversation with someone else, even though they're not participating. (laughs) You have to be willing to ask seven questions in a row. Because sometimes it's the eighth question that says, yeah, all right, this person's one, not going away. Two, these are pretty good questions. Three, if I haven't considered them, maybe I am missing something. FOMO can work for you there. Maybe I am missing something and I should consider this. And for eh, maybe it's about time that this person gets a call back or a response because, yeah, they're, they're probably worth it. So 99 point whatever percent of sales reps aren't willing to do that because to your and something you're you're very adamant about and, and write a lot. And, and I really loved your manifesto was because there's this metric to hit because of a number someone pulled out of a sky because of some a number that I was given. And, you know, it all rolls downhill. So just do your job. And so. SDRs, prospectors, even full bag reps, they are managing themselves in accordance to the numbers that they're being told to hit, not in terms of how do I really make a sale? How do I really make an impact? Why am I worth talking to because I'm one of 300 emails this week? Well, you should be at least two of those 300 emails for 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 sure, but be someone worth talking to. Stand out by stand out by doing it the right way, really.
1: So much gold in there. Yeah, I really agree with a lot of that stuff. I mean, I think we're all in business to find customers, to create a customer and not to you know, like swaggle and hoodwink this customer to actually help the customer solve something for real, get a result and go, I'm glad I paid those people. It's helping, it's working. Like, what are we doing? It's not an MQL. It's not, you know, box checked on the meetings and all these crazy metrics. Like the output of the business is the results the customer is having. So, um, but I loved how you touched on like the five whys or these asking methods. Also latent pain is really hard because everybody's got the disruptive solution now. SaaS is going, you know, we're disruptive sure. trucking or we're disrupting logistics. And, sure and there you contact 300 people like, yep, no pain. And then all the systems yep. are no pain, no sale. And it's like the challenger, the poking of the bear. Yeah, but what about if you do this way? You're probably doing it this way and you probably think you have no pain. You know, it's like, we're all selling a flying saucer and people are fine with their little Surrey bicycle and they just don't need to change. So like, I think drilling into that, like people who have really come up through all the different systems and methodologies over the years, how do you find pain when it's not there? How do you challenge people to look at their business new way? Now let's say you got them on the line. You did the, this process, you persisted and you hooked them and they're on the convo. Now let's talk about changing their behavior, the status quo. This is like, so difficult for modern sellers because they're so focused on top funnel automation to get the meeting (laughs) but now how do we change you know it's like 22 decision makers so it takes 13 times and then there's more people than ever it's like running a political campaign and the enemy is do nothing so just i think you have a lot of good stuff around this i'd love to hear your your take
2: i i think you need to be patient I, i think you need to play a long game and that's even been, it's not necessarily played out, but I'm not the only one saying it. You're not the only one that's saying it. it it's this, this, this concept that you need to, that you can't categorize everything and you can't make science out of everything. You have to be curious. You got to ask questions that you don't know the answer to, which is hard because we've been taught to be non-salesy, but still ask questions that paint our prospects into a corner. That's just like really clever salesy, right? I mean, like, let's be real about what it is ask questions that you don't know the answer to, ask questions that your prospect doesn't know the answer to, and then put your arm around them proverbially and say, you know what, these are questions worth answering though, right? Like, why don't we dig in and try to figure them out together, right? Like, how could your business change if you looked at things a little bit differently, right? And that's what you and I do as consultants in some ways too, where it's like, well, hold on. Not that the way you're thinking about it is wrong, but I believe that there is a way to think about it that is less limiting than the model you have right now. Is that something worth considering? oh, okay. And you know what? Not every conversation is going to lead to a sale. So you got to be willing to have a great conversation that feels really good, that you learn something, your prospect learned something. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, there's probably no next step forward for us here. But look, I really do appreciate what I've been able to learn. I hope you've been able to take something away too. You know what? More often than not, those conversations lead to referrals which then lead to customers, right? So just because the person you're on the phone with right now isn't going to buy and doesn't have a path to buy doesn't mean that those conversations aren't worth having because you still grow from them. And I think there there are too many particularly new sales reps new to the game whether they're SDRs or full bag carrying, you know, sales reps or whatever. They're so worried about hitting their numbers, they're forgetting to be worried about growing as professionals. And when you grow as a professional, It makes everything else easier. How many people do you know, Justin, who have sold a lot of stuff, millions of dollars worth of stuff, but don't know how to sell? Like there's a difference between knowing how to sell and being able to sell stuff. When you know how to sell, you can sell anything to anybody, anywhere with a little bit of contextual knowledge right? But when you just know how to sell this one thing in front of you, you mean nothing to anybody else because they got to train someone. They got to train you from the bottom up just the same way that they train anybody else. There's no value there in being stuck into this rigid you know, system of, well, this is what I need to do to hit the numbers. I just think that there, there is not enough attention paid to the personal growth and professional growth that goes along with learning what salesmanship or sellership really is. It's tough out there. It really is. But let's not pretend that we can make it easier just because we can categorize everything. And I'm really embarrassed right now because I feel like I strayed away from your initial question. I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for.
1: <laughs> no, that's fine. That's that's what, that's what this show is all about. I just, I started drifting too, because I, I remember back when I worked for Salesforce and the whole name of the game for me was like, just don't get flat footed because everyone around me was like a subject matter expert in. Right. You know, customer journey, life cycle automation, this stuff goes really technical and deep. And, and it's, it's weird because the more expertise I had, the more I could answer the questions and just sound so knowledgeable and had so much pride. I knew every answer right. after a certain amount. And now 10 years later, I sit there knowing all these answers and my goal is only to listen. What's the better question? Like I have, all I want to do is have the person talk more, or prompt him, you know, him or her. And uh, there's a great book, Richard Chiarello, he's a Sandler trainer. He talked about when he first got his jobs with these hardware companies, he he didn't know anything. He said, well, let me write that down, let me ask. He had this like dead son on the calls and he was selling really well. And then he got to the highest level of expertise and then he was just talking the whole time, Mm -hmm. almost condescendingly. He wasn't condescending, but when we look smarter than the customer, like nobody likes to know it all. Right. And so people would tell me they'll know you by the quality of your questions. And it brings you back to spin and challenge. And you said questions, question, question, question. Like, okay, help the reps on the phone. What are these questions? How do they do it when they prospect or discovery? What's a good question? Is it open? Is it spin? What's a modern
2: question? I think that if you, I, I wrote this in the five forgotten fundamentals, if you cannot differentiate, you cannot sell, right? And Lee Sauls wrote a great book, the same at the same time, actually, that's how I met him. I said, wait, I said this at the same time you were saying this, you wrote a bigger book, a better book, you got a bigger platform. So great, and that was how we connected and that's how he came on my show. But if you cannot differentiate, you cannot sell. So you need to talk about why you're different than the competitors. You need to talk about why the way you do it is not gonna be better, because we argue better, that's subjective, and you're gonna end up in an argument. You argue different, or you make a case for being different, and you can have a conversation. And you know, because you've been doing this long, Enough. An argument is not as prefer is not preferred to a conversation when it comes to selling, right? So understand what your differentiators are. And Then, if you've got four differentiators, four ways that you do things different than the, your other competitors in the marketplace, and maybe you can segment your competition, and you have four differentiators against competitor A, four differentiators against competitor B, C, etc. Now you know how to sell against an incumbent, but. Sit with your team, sit with your manager, sit with your CEO, your founder, I don't care who it is, sit with your dog, right? And and, and think out loud, brainstorm a little bit, your dog probably won't be able to contribute too much. But what are three questions, three good questions that you can ask that will lead to a conversation about your differentiator? Start the conversation about how you're different. Questions start conversations. Different differentiators are what make great sales processes. So if you've got four differentiators, three questions for each, you can put those 12 questions into a sequence, whether it's automated or you just know what the next question is, right? You're doing the planning necessary to then start having those conversations, to start that outreach. And you know that, you know, look, it's hard to do if you know, okay, well, three times a week or once a week for 12 weeks or w- whatever it is, I've got to reach out to this prospect who's not answering me. Well, in real time, you got to come up with a question that's tough. But when you have these questions out, they they turn into talk tracks. And the more you ask these questions, the more comfortable you get about asking them, the better you get at asking them because the words are going to change a little bit. And you, you know, so workshop this ahead of time and then go to work. And I, I think that's where those questions come from. And, and they're, they're pointed, but they're innocent. You don't know the answers to them most time. You have an idea of what the answer might be, but you don't know the answers to them. And if your prospect does know the answer to them, well then engage in that conversation, learn some more, learn the context to go back and tweak those conversations. But this starts with a workshop with your team. And what are the things that make us different? And if you cannot differentiate, then you, the only thing you compete on is price. That's a race to the bottom I'd rather not enter. Because the only thing worse than winning the race to the bottom is finishing second. Because you've totally devalued yourself. You haven't earned any respect or any credibility by these differentiators having any value. You've just thrown it all the way to price. And then someone beat you by a nickel. And then you got to face the, that fact. You don't want that. I want to sell at a premium to my competitors. And I want my customers, my clients to know that what they paid for was worth it. And there's a lot I can go into about price objections actually being buying signals and, and and everything else. But when you make the conversation around your differentiators, when you change their reason to buy to one that favors you, you can't be touched. Someone will have to do the same thing to you in order to take that business away you change the conversation, you will own the conversation.
1: Great quote. We still have some time in the show. A lot of people on the call like they don't want to be SDRs forever and sometimes that's you know something broken in the model and there are new advancement tracks. You could leave an SDR team, you could be an SDR console and there's a lot of opening mm-hmm. tracks. But a lot of the sales development community I talk to, they want to actually become great salespeople. There's a lot of books to read, there's a lot of real life experience to have. What is your advice to people earlier in their career? that want to not just be good at this game, but want to become excellent. We're all money motivated, top 1% of pay, this and that. But I think it's, I think the money comes if you're excellent at what you do. So how have you pursued that path? It could be blogs, authors, philosophies, like what, especially this generation, how do they improve? Not hacks or shortcuts, but what should the North Star be? What should they be doing, you know, daily, weekly, monthly to improve?
2: I think you should read at least one book a month. That is a lot for some. It's nothing for others. But, you know, and I would say this to people all the time back when we commuted, you know, it's like, look, if you've got 20 minutes a day one way, if you've got 10 minutes a day one way, if you have 20 minutes a day, five days a week, that's 100 minutes. Four weeks in in a month, that's 400 minutes. That is seven hours right? Yeah. Seven and a half hours. The average sales audiobook is seven to eight hours. Play a little bit with the playback speed, whatever, you know, if you want to get these from the library, you want to do audible.com or whatever. If you've got 20 minutes a day, you can listen to a book a month. You don't even have to sit still. I'm admittedly not good at that. So what is that book going to do to change your thought process? How's it going to make you think differently? Are you curious and open to new opportunities, new ways of thinking? You can do that. Those are table stakes. Find a mentor. I think that's the biggest thing. Find someone who's been where you want to go. And not just that they've been where you want to go, but they know what it took to get there. Right. We know that there are a lot of great salespeople who don't make great managers because they can't tell you why they were successful. They just have a track record that says that they were successful. Right. And it's not their fault. It's a very difficult thing to be able to codify why what worked worked. Right. It's different than just doing the work. So find a mentor, find someone who knows how to mentor and meet with them regularly and ask questions. The mentors that I've had in my life have thanked me because they said, you know what, Jeff, you asking me questions, you keeping me on my toes, that made me better. Made me better because I had to think about the right way to answer it. And I had to consider all your information in the question in order to do it. I couldn't just, well, yeah, I got better as a result. Thank you. Right. So don't be shy about asking for a mentor, vet your mentors right? It's a privilege to you. It's also a privilege for them. So those are the big things. And I would think, and I would go back to the book thing. There are only so many sales books that you should read. And I'm not going to tell you which ones, because it doesn't matter which ones. And this is weird being a guy who writes sales books, being having friends that write sales books. But like what you find is that there are a lot of commonalities Among them, right? Sales processes have beginnings, middles, ends, you know, there there might be something that's industry specific to you, but pay attention to what those commonalities are. Those are the fundamentals and the principles that you need to understand. And beyond that, I think, you know, it's, it's fun to hear someone else's spin on it. Justin, I know you got a book going out and coming out people should buy it right that I'm not saying that people shouldn't buy sales books but selling is about more than process. Selling is a social science. So read books, listen to books, listen to podcasts, listen to speakers who understand how people make decisions, who understand why people think the way they do. Spend more time listening to sociology podcasts than you do sales podcasts. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but like, just it's, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to understand why people move. We're trying to understand that the obstacles that are in people's ways are often put them put there by themselves, not by the constraints of their business, not by the constraints of the economy. Why do people do what they do? That's at the heart of what we do as sales professionals to get people to move. So I would look bigger picture, realize that it's going to take a long time. You know, you probably got a four four-year degree in something and whatever that major was, when you came out, you were not a world-class expert. Don't think that, well, selling's simple, right? I should be able to pick this up in in six months. Yeah, that's false. It's going to take a while to master anything. And set yourself up with the resources that understand or or speak to the commonalities among all sales processes. Try to learn how to sell, not just how to make a sale and and find a mentor along the way.
1: love it, man. It was really great uh, having you on the show. Where can people find you? And uh, you want to plug your books? Uh, books too. That's cool too.
2: Awesome. Thanks. My website is jeffbedoric.com. I'm actually excited in a couple of months here, beginning of February, I'm going to get a new one. It's being redone, it's put on a new platform and some new features that go along with that. So I'm excited that that's coming up. But I've got a, an online community that's free for people to join at rethinkthewayyousell.com. It's fun. We're, we're doing some cool things in there. We get into selling and, and sellership, and there's some, thought, there's some provocative posts that are in there. But we also like to, to kind of angle things toward what it's like to be in sales, right? So we talk, I've got a, a playlist that I call Swagger Songs, right? To help keep you motivated and get you fired up. I put new contributions to this Spotify playlist every week. We've got suggestions from, you know, the, the rest of the community. We do networking on a monthly basis. Like we we, we workshop some stuff. So it's an interactive community. I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more community oriented than what LinkedIn has come to be, which is a great place to meet people, not necessarily as good of a place as I'd like it to be for engaging with those people. So rethink the way you sell. .com is a place where you can find that. And you Google Jeff Bajoric or you Google Jeff Bajoric, you're going to find me. But you go to Amazon and go to Jeff Bajoric. I've got two books, Rethink the Way You Sell, When It Goes Sideways, that I wrote at the beginning of the pandemic because of the pandemic, and The Five Forgotten Fundamentals of Prospecting, which we've talked about today. Those are available in paperback, on Kindle, and on Audible, actually. So I've got you surrounded in the uh, self-publishing ecosystem. So uh, check that stuff out. I really enjoyed uh, interviewing
1: you and all the enthusiasm and passion just to close the episode. What is your favorite quote?
2: Man, there are so many of them. I think I'm going to go back to one and I'm going to credit Anthony Inarino for saying this because he's that. I don't know if it's his, but he's where I heard it. If you were doing what needed to be done, you'd be getting the results that you're looking for. So assess what your results are. Don't just blindly go in and, and say, well, this is the way I was told to do it. Is it working for you? Reassess your results. Think about your results when you think about the activities that go into it. Um, the other one that I'll, that I'll go with, and, and I don't remember exactly where I heard it, but I know who where I heard it. It wasn't the first person to say it. When you focus on a process, you get results. But when you focus on results, you get frustrated. So obviously, results need to be a part of the equation, but recognize that you can only control what you can control. And so, focus on those things that you can control that will yield the results that you're looking for. And that's the that's the puzzle I'm trying to put together in my own mind. And and that's the next little book that I'm working on.
1: Oh, wow! Great conversation, great wisdom, Jeff Majoric. Everyone, follow him, connect up on LinkedIn, and grab his books, join his community. I'm Justin Michael. Thanks again for being on the show, Jeff. Thank you. Appreciate it.